Hello, IABC members, and welcome to the latest episode of the IABC Edmonton podcast. In order for people to make good decisions in life, they're going to have to have accurate facts put in meaningful context. So it's our job as journalists to provide truth, unbiased, researched, carefully sourced truth. The IABC Edmonton podcast is a great way to sharpen your professional skills and learn some new ones. Public relations people and others who are, are you know, working with journalists, I think at this point there is a, a much more solid trust between those organizations and the affiliated television stations. Sounds like a great topic. Let's get started. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IABC Edmonton podcast. As always, I'm your host, Marvin Polis. As some of you may know, I'm one of the past presidents of IABC Edmonton and currently president of Stimulant Strategies and Stimulant Media Productions. Now, on this episode, we have with us Barbara Rails. She was actually in Edmonton recently doing a professional development session, and unfortunately, I was out of town, was not able to attend. I know some of our other members weren't able to attend as well, although it was a very large crowd. So we're going to catch up with her now and talk about what went on that day at McEwen University. But before we get started, just a little bit from Barbara's bio, and her bio is incredible. Unfortunately, we can't get into the whole thing. But Barbara is actually from Canada. She grew up in Saskatchewan and attended the University of Saskatchewan in Saskatoon, where she earned a teaching degree. But then, interestingly, she went on into journalism, and she did that in the United States. During her 38-year career at KBJR Television in Duluth, Minnesota, she was a reporter, anchor, producer, public affairs program host, and led the investigative unit. She retired in August 2017 as news director, spending 10 years in that role. Barbara considers the time she spent teaching young journalists to hone their skills among her greatest achievements. Now, one more thing that I think is really interesting is that in 2006, the National Academy of Television granted Barbara its highest honor, the Silver Circle for Significant Contributions to Journalism. And in 2011, she was inducted into the Minnesota Broadcast Hall of Fame. Wow, so we're, we have a, a really famous person on the podcast today. Uh, Barbara, what were you doing in Edmonton? Well, I was invited by McEwen University as a visiting scholar, and I did guest lectures for two weeks there and had just a wonderful time. Now tell us about the content, the subject matter of your lectures, because I know you have this amazing background in news. Uh, I'm guessing this is what you were talking about indeed. We talked about uh, my stint in journalism and what I learned and uh, how one gets into professional journalism. And we talked about uh, putting stories together. Uh, but most of all, we talked about integrity and how important it is to maintain your integrity, uh, especially in a, a changing landscape like we have for journalists in the uh, United States currently. Now, what's involved in integrity from your point of view? Well, um, since, you know, the journalists have a huge responsibility, Marvin, um, in order for people to make good decisions in life, they're going to have to have accurate facts put in meaningful context. So it's our job as journalists to provide truth, unbiased, researched, carefully sourced truth. A reporter who can do that to keep their biases out of their storytelling and make sure that their research and their facts are right on that's integrity. So really, there's a difference between 
journalism and reporting, and the other side of the coin, which is uh, commentary and editorial reporting. That is, and I want to make it clear that I consider those two very different jobs. Uh, what we're seeing in the United States currently with the emergence and expansion of 24-hour news is those jobs coming together. One day you'll see a reporter, say, at the White House covering something President Trump is doing or saying, and the next day you'll see that same reporter on a panel espousing their own views and thoughts and feelings on what was said. When you have that kind of crossover, you create a problem because people tend to gravitate to news that they agree with already. And so when a reporter has crossed into the field of editorializing or commentary, they'll lose those viewers who already know where they stand emotionally on an issue. And in all of that, the truth gets lost. Do you think then that some viewers, some listeners, some readers actually eventually find it difficult to parse out the difference between opinion and facts? Well, I think that uh, absolutely that happens. Um, and we have only ourselves to blame because of that crossover. And it doesn't help that the President of the United States is continually carping on fake news and calling journalists liars and an enemy of the people. Um, all of that serves to lose our credibility with the audience, and the audience in that loses you know, where the truth lies, where emotion lies, where feelings lie. The truth gets lost, and journalism becomes less of an important profession. So when journalists are criticized for being quote-unquote liars, do you think it's because they're stepping over, or some of them at least are stepping over into the area of opinion, and some people are confusing that as facts? I think that's contributing to it, uh, Marvin. I think that we have such a polarized group of people living in the United States right now that people have lost their way. They don't know what's truth. They don't know what's conjecture. They don't know what's real news and they don't know what's fake news. And complicating all of that is the, pardon me saying this, but the real fake news, news that's planted by other countries. Uh, Russians uh, were recently found to be polluting uh, social media and the internet with fake news honest-to-goodness fake news, um, trying to sow discord in the American public or, uh, in some cases, trying to sway people to vote for certain candidates that uh, Russia or China also had problems with that, that uh, candidates that they feel might serve a better purpose and have a better feeling towards those countries. So everything is topsy-turvy in this changing landscape of journalism. Uh, we can't stop President Trump from calling news with which he doesn't agree fake news. But we as journalists can separate our facts from our conjecture. And I think that that would help move us back to where we should be as far as integrity is concerned. How do you think this applies in Canada, especially as we consider the journalists' traditional role as watchdogs, keepers of the truth? Well, both throughout North America, throughout the world, actually, real journalists are the watchdogs. And when you um, destroy that premise, there's nobody watching the people in, in areas of power and politics. And that 
gives head to all sorts of problems. If you can't believe or can't trust what journalists are telling you this politician or this business person is doing, you've got a problem. Now, you asked me about Canada. Um, Canada actually right now, and I mean as recently as last month, 2018, Canada's enjoying an increase in public trust. That comes from the Global Trust Index. They each year publish uh, something called a trust barometer. It's the Edelman Public Relations Firm. That company has been measuring public trust in more than 25 countries for nearly 20 years. So that barometer at this point puts Canada... Uh, 10% ahead of where it was last year as far as public trust is concerned. But that same barometer picked up a concern. It says 65% of the public is now questioning whether all of the news they're getting is honest, factual news, or they're, in other words, they're worried about fake news. So what's happening currently in our changing landscape of American journalism could eventually impact Canadian journalists as well. Now, what do you think this means for corporate communications practitioners, some of which are media relations specialists, who try to get the word out about their good initiatives through their, uh, you know, about their companies, about their nonprofit organizations, and work with the news media to do that? What, are, what do you think the implications of this might be? Well, you know, there's something I want to point out, Marvin. Marvin, from my perspective, your local journalists are still doing the job that they've always done. Your community journalists um, within their smaller coverage areas are still covering city council, still going to the school board, still reporting on important developments in their various in the various communities in their coverage area, and they're not. Um, while they're being painted with the same brush as the network journalists, I don't see anywhere near the level of commentary or editorializing that I do at the network level. That said, what happens at the network tends to trickle down into the non-network affiliate TV stations. Um, so as far as, as your question is concerned, uh, when you guys public relations people and others who are, are, you know, working with journalists, I think at this point there is a, a much more solid trust between those organizations and the affiliated television stations, anywhere from your smallest to right up to, all, but not including the O&Os, that's the owned and operated network affiliates. So, uh, you know, those people are still doing a great job. It's still it's an important job of covering your communities. But as for working with networks, try to pick out those journalists that you trust and that are staying away from editorializing or commentating. So I guess there are some journalists who might gain the reputation as being over-editorializing. Maybe their, their coverage is perceived as frivolous. And as media relations people, we might want to try to, you know, stay clear of that. Um, I expect that the bulk of the people in your field, Marvin, are in you know dealing with the the smaller, the mid-sized affiliate TV stations in the various communities. I think that they can you know see for themselves which journalists correctly source their facts, which journalists present unbiased news. I, I think it's fairly easy to tell. And that's why I say at the network level, when you can see one of the, the network journalists reporting one day 
and on uh, editorial panels the next, it's pretty easy to tell that they've tainted their profession a bit. Now, very good thoughts there. And something else that I wanted to get into is how journalism has changed over the last little while because of the internet. I believe this was actually part of your presentation here in Edmonton. How has this shifted things? You know, the, the pressure that journalists are under now, the pressure that the newsrooms are under now, how does that affect getting the story right and, and being credible? Well, um, it's important that we as professional journalists uh, get stories out there as quickly as we can. If you, like I did for many years as news director, I would follow the numbers. The numbers would tell me, you know, how many uh, hits we get on any particular post. It's the internet that's uh, creating the change that you're talking about, Marvin. Uh, we're competing with bloggers and all people who post and podcasters and, and everything else. And oftentimes, um, what we're seeing, certainly not in any of your podcasts, Marvin, but what we're seeing out there is that rush to be first because they want those numbers. When you're first, you almost invariably get the greatest number of hits and the greatest number of shares. But the danger there is getting it wrong. You immediately lose your credibility if you get it wrong. I remember a couple of years ago, uh, all the Minnesota media was reporting on a child who had picked up a rare virus and was in isolation at a hospital. One of the, in my market, one of our competing stations tweeted that the child had died overnight. And immediately, several other media outlets picked up that and repeated the story. They were first. I took the time when I got in to call a hospital only to find out that the child was still alive. So then we posted, we posted the actual facts. We were behind, but it's better to be right than first. The, the bottom line in that story, which should have, been, uh, should have had a happy ending, left us not getting the greatest number of hits, uh, but we did get the greatest number of shares. Um, so it is, if you're trying to build a reputation as the place to turn for factual information, that means you have to be right, not necessarily always first. And I guess you're saying that that has always been the traditional role of journalists, and that will always be the traditional role going forward. Yeah, I think so. And speaking of going forward, we talked about, uh, in my presentation to the IABC in Edmonton, we talked about the, the changing uh, landscape of journalism. <laughs> Here's a little, a little uh, uh, story. Um, when I started in my career, after 10 years uh, anchoring on the 6 and 10 o'clock news, I was pretty well recognized in our coverage area. So when I went to speak at the universities to the, the young scholars, um, they all knew who I was. For the last 10 years or maybe 15 years of my career, when I went to speak at the university, the students had no idea who I was. That was because young people are not watching traditional newscasts anymore. They're getting their news online. They're getting their news through social media, uh, maybe through podcasts, but they're not watching traditional news the way they used to. And so... Our job as journalists is to find where the viewers are, the readers are, and put the news where they are. And so that means uh, while right now we're still doing our regular 5, 6, 10 noon morning newscasts, it's evolving. We're putting as much news online and on our social media as we are 
on television. And that's really only been in the last 10 years. So in the next 10 years, I, you know, I could see your regular, as our, as our university students age, uh, and their way of viewing news or reading news is going to go with them. So I could see television newscasts, traditional newscasts disappearing or evolving to a, a, a way that we might not even recognize them as, as newscasts anymore. So if that much happened in the last 10 years, I can only guess about what's going to happen in the next 10 years. Indeed, these, uh, these traditional broadcast services, newspaper services may someday exist only on the internet and not at all in their traditional mediums. And I think you brought up a really good point, is that when I hear about a story through social media, I do take it with a grain of salt, and I think, that's interesting, but I better check this out. And I will always go to my local news media outlets like the Edmonton Journal Online or, or CBC Radio or CBC TV or you know some of these examples, because I know that the stories that are posted there have been actually researched by credible journalists. That's absolutely critical. You have to know your source. If you don't trust or know your source well enough, you don't know what you're getting. All of this talk about fake news, there's so much of that going around in some of these uh, lesser known sites that one has to be very careful and discerning when you're getting your news. And you're right, uh, traditional news outlets, newspapers, radio news, television news outlets is is pretty much a, a strong bet because they're going to take the time, those reporters are going to take the time to research and, uh, and get the facts right so that you can trust what you're seeing, what you're reading. That's, that's where I think that the news is going to end up going. Um, although, I should say this about television news, we've evolved a great deal in our traditional newscasts. Um, we know we're not first. When we come on the news at 5 o'clock, we know that most of our audience now has the basic facts from the Internet. And so it's incumbent on us as professional journalists then to provide background, further details, information that you may not have had time to look at at your break at work. You just, you know, you picked it up, you got the basic facts on a, a shooting at a nightclub somewhere. Then you go home and hopefully sit down, turn on your news, and that news then should give you way beyond the headlines. Well said. Well, Barbara, it's just about time for us to wrap up. So is there anything you'd like to see in summary? Well, Marvin, I had such a great time at McEwen University because those students that I met were so uh, excited and involved in, in journalism and, uh, and writing. What excellent, excellent students they were. They were engaged, excited about learning, and just uh, wonderful, wonderful um, hosts for me visiting. So hopefully they'll continue because where our newscasts may be changing and uh, our landscape in journalism is shifting, there will always be a need, a crying critical need for someone to research, gather the facts, and disseminate it in various fashions so that our viewers and readers still have a place they can trust to get their news. Well put, and uh, thank you for those kind words about McEwen University and uh, Edmontonians in general. We really appreciate you coming here to Edmonton, and we really appreciate you joining us here on the IABC Edmonton Professional Development Podcast. Thank you, Marvin. It was a pleasure talking with you, and it was a pleasure visiting Edmonton. Thanks again for joining us for the IABC Edmonton Podcast. I'm your host, past president Marvin Polis. Be sure to join us next time. 